0: Hi, this is Jimmy, and you're listening to Stage Door Medium. You're listening to Season 1, Episode 7, Hearing Creative Voices, featuring Broadway talent and award-winning playwright Jason Forbach. Hi everyone, welcome to another week of Stage Door Medium, and we have the very, very, very special guest today, Jason Forbach. Hi, Jason. Hello, hi. How are you Thanks doing? Thanks for having me.
1: I'm doing great. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. Thank you for coming. Um, oh, I'm so excited to talk with you. Um, if you're watching at home, Jason's Jason's career is... Uh, um, I will... You have to hear him sing. Um, I will put up some clips of that that you you guys just have to check out. So Jason was um, so Jason made his Broadway debut in Les Mis the revival in what was that twenty fourteen? Correct. yep. Twenty fourteen. Before that, Jason was on the road with Les Mis the the same iteration of it that that eventually went to Broadway. And then he's mm-hmm. been with the Phantom of the Opera family for for quite some time. So having been in the Las Vegas spectacular, which we'll talk about in a little bit, and then mm-hmm. coming over to Broadway, your Secret Garden, um, incredible writer, which your your work is already getting awards. So I oh, we got <laughs> lots to talk about. Uh, this is a good one.
1: So lots um, to do, Sean. Yeah.
0: Did you know you were gonna be be an artist, be an actor?
1: I. I think it was pretty clear early on because I was always—I mean, I think a lot of kids are like this. They're creating stories, they're making up characters, they're imagining worlds and friends. And I was the—I was the first in my family, and there it was five years till my sister came around. And I was kind of like happy and existing in my own little world, you know. And I think that's where it kind of started. And I remember early on. I don't know what I was watching, and it was, and it was because I was really into movies and all that stuff when I was a kid, and I remember thinking like I'm going to do that, or I, or like relating to it in a way that I was like oh that's what I do, but I had no frame of reference for that as a kid growing up in the Midwest, so I just kind of denied it as a reality as I got older, and then so much of me now as an adult is chipping that away and just being like. Be whoever you want to be but I feel like I identified with that that spiritual connection like almost immediately yeah for sure
0: and then was there a show I mean for like for example mine mine probably was phantom because growing up I mean growing up from from where I am it's probably about a seven eight hour drive to New York but Toronto you know, Toronto's just an hour over the border and oh, yeah. phantom that sit down production ran for like what, 10 years, 12 years Forever. or something. So mm-hmm. that was time. probably the show that stood out to me as I think getting the bug, so to speak as a, as a kid, like, is there one that, oh, yeah. you know, that sticks out for you?
1: Oh yeah. For our generation, I think that was a big one because I feel like every household had like the cassette. Or the CD, you know, every house the had
0: cassette. it. Yeah.
1: Yes. And we played it in the car and we sang along. And th- I think that was a really informative one because it also seemed magical, you know, like, because I, I hadn't seen it since I was a kid on tour when it came through Kansas City. And it had been many, many years until Vegas Phantom happened for me. And I had just kind of like not forgotten about it, but just never saw it, just kind of let it go. And then when I went to the Majestic to watch the show again before I flew out to Vegas, and we were talking earlier about the candles and like coming up out of the fog, I was like, and you hear that, like that ethereal keyboard patch. I was like, oh, I remember. And you see it as theater magic, which it's kind of sad that that doesn't happen so much anymore. You know, budget wise and time wise, there isn't time to kind of develop that, that stuff. But it is wild to think that that kind of, 80s technology is still kind of magical to watch. But I remember my childhood brain. It's like when you go to your elementary school and you walk back in as an adult and you see like the tiny chairs, but you're like, oh, it's so familiar. I just remembered it kind of differently. Yeah. You know? So uh, yeah, Phantom was that for me.
0: I saw the tour too. And I remember as a kid. So first off, I saw it in Toronto and I distinctly remember being really spooked out as a kid. Like it it weirded me out in spots. And I remember... Um, I remember the first thing I remembered was the pyrotechnics that always stuck with me because a mm-hmm. friend of mine, they, they sold the binoculars in the theater. So she put on the binoculars during the red death scene, not knowing uh-huh. that the flash pots go off oh, and she yeah. could not see for probably about a good 20 minutes <laughs> for that. And she was screaming and crying. <laughs> and um, I remember when I was a kid, Seeing the national tour like super close. And I remember I was struggling in math, and my mom threatened like, what a mom move. She threatened my tickets if my grades didn't go up. And my uh-huh. average went from like a 67 to like a 94 or something like that. Like so we are going. Phantom, Phantom <laughs> was that motivator. So, uh huh. Anyway, how long have you been with the show? Well, I joined,
1: Phantom was my first like big production contract. I'd done a couple of little shows and festivals and then an off-Broadway play in New York at the beginning and then it was 2000 and it was the spring of 2007 when I went to uh, Vegas and I was there with them almost three years till 2010 okay. and then joined joined the tour of Les Mis shortly thereafter. So from 2010 till is it like two and a half years ago now i I had not been there was kind of like a seven some plus year gap between versions
0: can i ask i mean even with the vegas production then because one of the things that i'd love to talk about is longevity and Mm. i guess with a show that here's the thing that I, i would love to talk about parallel wise when you i feel like the expectations are for phantom are so high and mm. it's already so well established. And I feel like the same goes for when you're when you're getting ready to go see a medium. I can already tell when somebody comes in with like you can sense it energy-wise, like the expectations are high, like they're hoping that mm. X, Y, and Z are the people that are gonna come through and like you better bring them. So for me, I think there's a little bit of a I think a pressure sometimes to, you know, to to bring those people through with a long running show like like Phantom, do you do you feel like there, there are pressures you know to, to uphold and being a part of the show? And how do you keep it fresh when you're doing that same show every night?
1: Yeah, that's the trickiest thing and that's something that I even now it's I think we all balance. You have to balance for your own sanity the idea of with all arts or, or all, anything that we do that it, it matters so much and it doesn't matter at all in equal measure. Otherwise, you know, like you want to devote everything you can, but you can't make yourself crazy over the minutiae, you know, audiences are enjoying it and if you, you know, cracked a note or if you dropped a line, you know, like the world does not end. And you can't kind of like send yourself down this torture spiral. Um, That being said, that's still, I'm, I'm still working on that for myself daily, constantly. So, um, You know, uh, but it is harder. There is a greater sense of uh, higher expectation because people are all online. You know, there are bloggers and people on like- YouTube. Yeah, YouTube. And so like, there is this pressure if you get too caught in your head about it, like everything is recorded, everything does matter. Or like the stakes are pretty high, you know? Um, I've definitely felt like that on the road. And it was a hard thing to reconcile in my mind uh, and just you know, feeling mentally healthy is that like you're reviewed every week. You know, you have press there every week kind of just like, okay, let's see. And then you read about it in the newspaper. So that's, that's a hard thing to, um, to kind of process, you know, but it's, and, and it's always that hard thing with artists and probably in your profession, separating your work from who you are because it is inside of you. It is something that you can't just let go of, you yeah. know. Um, but it is also your profession. And so it is there's a whole other science to thinking about it objectively in that way so that you can separate, but it's not easy. Um, I think doing long-running shows helps in that regard. It starts to feel more like a job, like a nine
0: to five. Like an office job, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And not in a negative way, it's just, uh, it's comforting and uh, secure and um, you build such a rapport with people. Um, But it is a challenge, you know, I think all creative minds, especially in shows, like you learn the show, you do the show, you open it, you run a couple months, you've kind of mastered all the like little nuances, you've got as efficient as you can with changes and props and stuff. And I always find that somewhere around three months, that three month mark, artists get a little antsy. Mm-hmm. You know, and if they can't negotiate with their like artistic mind that wants to just keep learning and keep creating it little, if you can't figure out how to focus that energy onto another project and use another side of your brain to just do the work, then you really struggle. A lot of people struggle with doing long running shows and it's not for everyone. Not everyone can kind of manage those emotions. Um, and I realized that after three months, it's like, oh, just work on your own projects, work on your own stuff, fuel that creative need and come up and have fun at work, you know, and maybe it, change, it changes every night in micro ways. Um, and, and sometimes that helps keep it fresh for you, but like sometimes it's not fresh, you know, like you're trying, you, but I think that's where the muscle memory and the training comes in is that you're always, you've elevated your performance to that 100% level that audiences expect, but you you're you've managed how much energy to give to have it be your life. And I kind of like being in long-running shows. Um, it is very rare nowadays, and you know a lot of people bop from like big show to big show, and they kind of skip all around and they they create these huge careers. And I always felt like I was kind of like one of those workhorse actors yeah. that you know that I'm like, well, I've done like. This show for six, and this show for three and a half. You know, but um, I I'm okay with that. That's okay. I'm totally okay with that being the path that I've I've been on. Um, because it's allowed me to just be an actor for like almost 15 years now. So I'm like, oh, thank God for and
0: that. You said so, best, you have the it then prom- gives you these outlets where, and from what I understand, Phantom's really wonderful about if people want to you know duck out for for like a month or two to go pursue a different project, and you know, so I feel like if I'm not mistaken and misspeak, you know, you're able to then come back probably with like a renewed sense of energy. like you said, you have your own creative projects on the side that Mm -hmm. I think help to balance.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think you have to. Phantom's really good about it because it's been around forever. So they uh, have, I mean, otherwise I'm a vacation swing there now. Mm -hmm. And um, I swing about eight different tracks or did swing about eight different tracks. So, I mean, if people, if they weren't gracious with how they allowed people to step away and do projects and for myself, be gracious about allowing me to do the same, then we'd all, we'd all be, you know, climbing the walls. So yeah, Phantom is fantastic about it.
0: You bring up such a great point too, about being reviewed weekly. And I feel like as a medium, it's, if I have five days worth of readings for the week, it's literally a different review, so to speak every day, because you, you're not you're not telling the same story like you're the same person so to speak bringing that um that story through but it's interesting like if i have an off day like you know it's not a full company you know it's just me running the ship so if i have an off day that's one person let's say they had 10 people that they wanted to promote it to. And, you know, they, you know, they didn't have a good experience for some odd reason, which is rare, but you know, that's, that's, that's that review, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. With the show in general, is it hard to shake because I mean, I, my brain immediately goes to how heavy it is. Um, And it, it's weird though, but it doesn't seem like a heavy show in spots, but when you think of it at its heart, it kind of, It's super heavy. So I mean, do you guys have a hard time shedding that? Um, I think it
1: depends on the track you're doing, Um, and you know, to me, the heaviest, the heaviest, and the hardest was Les Mis. The workload, the length of the show, the amount that was required of us, um, physically, vocally, it was the most taxing. And to do that for six years, I, I, it was like, it was an endurance test beyond, you know. Yeah. Um, beyond, beyond. Phantom is, is a little bit, uh, as Rao, yes, there's a lot of work you have to do. You're sweating, you're running around, you're wearing period costumes. There's something about the tone of it um, that doesn't weigh on me the way Les Mis did. Um, and And in the ensemble, there's a lot of downtime for us there. So we kind of have a lot more fun. <laughs> No. We have a lot more fun backstage um, as was the case with Secret Garden too. the ensemble. I played Albert and was in the ensemble and so I had a lot of downtime. And so that kind of alleviated the pressure. I think if I were to be some of the other characters or you're carrying a lot more, it's just, once the show starts, you have to put your blinders on do the work, come out the other end. And, and that, is, that is really hard. Um, that's the way it was with me as Anja Ross and in the ensemble, it's just like, here we go. And you, I'll see you in three hours, you yeah. know? um but phantom yes even though it is a dark kind of gothic romantic thing um it doesn't weigh on my spirit heavily mm-hmm. the way les Mis did les Mis was like you know you're exhausted you take the train home and you pour yourself like a tumbler of scotch and you just are like let's do it again tomorrow
0: <laughs> you is, know i mean because it's such a because you're also watching what what spans so many years with les Mis. i mean you're watching this Journey, and I mean, and people are dying from what twenty minutes in, um, and and oh yeah, and then it it basically doesn't stop. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I, we had
1: these uh, authentic uh, muskets that weighed like twenty plus pounds, and you're you're feeling, you know, they really wanted to get the the kick of the rifle, and then you're riddled with bullets, and even in like engaging your body in that way, like you're going to the act of dying every day. <laughs> And that's exhausting, you know, it's, it takes a physical toll on your body.
0: Sarah Paulson had talked about that. Um, she had done an interview where she was talking about American Horror Story mm. and how she was going to a physical therapist. And she said that she would see a therapist during shooting. Um, because mm-hmm. said, I forgot, it was Roanoke, I think that season. She was like, I basically just sat in a corner and ran through a house and screamed and cried the entire time. And she was like, it, she goes, your body is mimicking you know, um, simulating that response. Yeah. And, um, she said how, how it really took a toll on her. Um, you know, I think the same thing goes for, for, for readings. Um, there are some that I can shed right away. Mm. I would say about 60 to 70% of them. It's easy to shed, not in a disrespectful way, but many times it's, yeah, Hey, you know, Graham's here. And, you know, she gives the specific details or they give, they're excited about the wedding, but then you have some that are really heavy. And Mm -hmm. and, um, sometimes they'll flood you with the emotion to understand the gravity of the situation. And so I think when you deal with murders, um, when you deal with suicides, um, you're, you know, you're getting these, these folks on the other side that miss their loved ones so much. And then you're getting, people right in front of you who mm. are you know who are upset they're hurting so I think to that's hard so I think typically yeah. for those like my spouse knows if the if it's a heavy one I'll just go like I'm gonna go for a walk and I'll take the dog um I will walk mm-hmm. them separate usually and just and I, I know you know about that with, with your little yep. you know, <laughs> you
1: have oh to- my god you wouldn't believe how many walks you're going where I'm like oh I just need to
0: clear my head yep there's something very grounding about like you just dealt with something heavy, and now pick up my poop. You know what I mean, and bag it. And, you know, it's yeah. it, it's so true though. It, it the simplicity of out. it, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, snaps you I out. Guess. What's your take on Phantom? Like, what's the story at heart about? Because I've always seen this as an exploration of the grieving process and what mm. happens to, uh, you know, it, it's um, her uh, vulner our vulnerability. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I remember, gosh. Um, hearing Allie Ewald talk about it as well, you know, talk mm-hmm. about her psych background. And she was also mentioning how you have this girl that loses her dad and she's yeah. incredibly vulnerable. And, cause yeah. I don't think audiences realize that sometimes, you know, about I've always kind of imagined it, that she loses her dad pretty close to, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's even in, it, I mean, it's even, what is it? Three, she says in the, in wishing you were somehow here again. The old the updated ones are what three three long years? I, oh, I can't rem-
1: I can't remember. The I two are remember.
0: changing. I want to say it's under five. That much I know. And so, I mean, for me, I I find it so compelling because I think my brain too, as being a medium. Sadly, I, you know, you've heard of cases where you have had really bad mediums that have capitalized on the grief process for somebody and that have used the most bare bones of uh, of information to run with and 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 take people that are are vulnerable and um, obviously that that's those are far and few but i i remember hearing awful stories about yeah. my brain just immediately thinks of this man that seizes on an opportunity of somebody that's that's yes missing her dad and
1: well it's easy to forget that she's still such a young girl yeah. in the in the course of, of this drama so, when you think about that and and how hard it is for children to process that anyway without any tools and then to be thrust into that kind of situation without any tools yeah it's it, it really that is that is a hundred percent accurate and
0: I would love to pick your brain on the differences in energy between the Vegas audiences and the broadway audiences because you know with with phantom i mean obviously it's still such a tourist show i mean i I myself i mean every time many times when i'm in town i have such a soft spot for it and i like to it's a horrible metaphor i kind of describe phantom as like that alien relative in the in the nursing home where like you don't know how long it will be there so you're like i want to go go check on her i want to go check on them and just say hi you know what i mean let them know (laughs) that I love them yeah. support them and so um, it's a horrible you know analogy, but it, it's kind of true and yeah for you, did you were your audiences different in Vegas because my brain goes to like the Vegas clientele and does that did that impact your performance?
1: Uh, it's interesting because the Vegas clientele is so so different um, but we rarely got kind of rowdy audience member I mean there are a few iconic moments and stories from Vegas where we're like what I mean just totally inappropriate behavior sure some 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 things I don't even think are you know totally appropriate to say and that did happen you're like only in Vegas where you're like wow okay incredible so that happened on a handful of occasions um we didn't get it it wasn't hugely trafficked um as it is in New York it's such an iconic like You know, New York is like Rockettes, Statue of Liberty, Phantom. It's part of like, it's less about Broadway now and more about like a New York
0: institution. It's part of New York, yeah.
1: And so, you know, New York audiences are like packed every night um, and they will be uh, more traditionally respectful. It's so interesting because the when you're talking about engagement with the audience, I think it is different per house. Um, because like in the Imperial, and especially with the show was like, sometimes we're coming up through the audience. It feels like the audience is like right up in your grill. And in the Majestic, they seem so far away and it's so dark that I kind of just forget that they're even there. Um, Vegas, we were a little bit more aware. I mean, Vegas is its own animal. And, and I, it, does, it does pain me that like, especially now they're struggling so much, Cirque going bankrupt, all theater. <laughs> Music theater has left Vegas. It's such a shame, uh, but you know what? Like everything, I think the pendulum will swing back and they will kind of have this need for varied arts there again. But um, I mean, crazy stuff went down in Vegas on occasion that would I, never happen in New York.
0: <laughs> I, I, can only, I can only imagine. You know, um, well, the
1: funny thing is, is that like what I think, you know, your listeners might get a kick out of is that we're aware of everything. You know, like, it is so funny how there isn't a second that goes by where, like, you'll be on stage with someone and they're like, the lady in the third row is going, you know, like, we're communicating, like, who, third row? Oh, my God. Oh, my God, what's she doing? You know, like, everyone's aware of everything.
0: I would imagine during the Hannibal opening, too, when they're teching everything and fixing things, I would imagine if you're in the chorus part, you probably have so many moments to chat about, you know, with your company, what's going on.
1: Yeah, you're just kind of clocking, every, you're assessing the situation, you're checking <laughs> <other> people.
0: <laughs> what are your thoughts? Are we supposed to like Raul or not? Because I feel like people hate him and he's not a bad guy. Yeah, it's kind it's of awesome tough, play. right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's so weird because it's like, we're always playing into that that ar- aristocratic, kind of pulled up, emotionally distant, you know, it's it's like yeah. classism, it's classism. And I think that's what people kind of don't respond to, but it is, he's supposed to be the romantic lead. It is funny. It's like, you know, you don't, I think that's what's so interesting when they play with the sequel is that they start kind of like chipping away at his veneer and give him a few flaws. And I think that's human nature, right? People are like, there, okay, there's
0: dimension. Mm -hmm." I know, I mean, Rawl's biggest thing and what, it's like, he's like, what is he like? I've got to get my hat or something like that. Like he's like,
1: He's like, I'll be right back.
0: We're going to get dinner, but I got to get my hat first. And you know, like just <laughs> his priorities like, are. Okay, buddy. What's your favorite flub that you look back and you're like, Oh my God, it was so embarrassing. But like now you can laugh on it while you were in Phantom or Les Mis?
1: Um, You know what? It's so funny because it's like flubs happen all the time, especially with very tech heavy shows. Like you just never know. Um, And I, I've had like a few major injuries happen. Like I've had to been hospitalized from shows a couple of times, but I fu- so like, it's kind of like anything can happen. I think my favorite flub is in Les Mis. I was playing the factory foreman and Montego Glover was Fontaine, and Fontaine and the factory girl get in this fight and they're wrestling on the ground and Montego's wig just came completely off. And we're standing there, and like I think I forget who the factory the factory girl was like holding the wig and was like, <gasps> and Montego took the wig and just left, and she left the scene and she was like p- getting it properly pinned back. It she couldn't find a hair person in the wings, so she went downstairs. Like, and lame is a train. Once it starts, it doesn't stop. The music yeah. keeps going. The scene <laughs> happens. She takes off. Valjean comes in, and the whole thing is about her. And there's no one there. And we're all, all like, all this oh. being
0: about yeah.
1: And this one guy from the ensemble way in the back thought he would like musicalize her backstory. No. <laughs> so we're all kind of, we're kind of like silent, like, uh, I don't know what we do. Cause it's when Funti supposed to plead and beg, you know, I have a child, this child's my daughter I'm doing all this stuff. And this guy who still cracks me up this he's like, oh yeah, she has a child, the child's a daughter. Like from the back, like a guy in the factory knows everything about Fontaine and starts chiming in. We're like, good improv skills, buddy. But we were just, we were dying. <laughs>
0: that's, that's, oh gosh, that's a good one. I, I don't know what I would have done. And it's funny that you said that because I distinctly remember the moment when I saw the tour and it's gotta be intentional. How gorgeous it was when she does take the bonnet off of her when they start to fight you see, you know, Fantine, that long long here. And to me, that was such a a smart, you know, way to already get your eye going, look here, because in a couple minutes, Mm -hmm. it's going to be gone. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, to go back to the energy thing, every time I've seen Phantom, it's funny, because I know the show so well. I, at times, find that I watch other people's reactions if I'm near somebody that I can tell has never seen it. And when I saw it oh yeah, fun you there was there was a school group um, that was like wow. the first I would maybe maybe like five rows worth. And I started tearing up during the overture because to see these kids watch this show for the first time transported me back to I remember sitting there for that flash pot and the overture starting and to watch their faces go. Oh, we're going back in time. You know, I, I have goosebumps right now just to yeah. see that it still does it every night. Yeah, um, they get it. And to they see guess. them like cheer, you know, when she kisses him at the end and this idea of redemption, and like, oh, um, you know, they, they they get it. They, they totally get it.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so- and it makes you realize how important it is for kids, how important it is for education, because I, I work with Broadway Classroom and a few other groups, so it's like you'll meet school groups before or after they see the show and then they put it together with a real person and you get to work on, you know, group activities together and they they get to express and ask you questions. And so it is, that's another level of of cool when you're interacting with young people and they're like, oh wow, not only am I learning, I'm seeing a show, I'm seeing what's possible in the arts. I get to meet an actual person that's doing it and make it seem tangible. Cause that, as I said earlier, that's the thing I never, threaded together is that like, oh that's what real people do. That's just somebody I see on TV. So um, I, I get a huge kick out of that, especially, it, cause it's like, it is one of those things. If a story is told well, if it's executed well and told well, it will clearly stand the test of time as we've seen with so many things that we tell over and over and over again. Um, and this is just like one of the most brilliantly directed shows, I think in theater history. Um, it's so thorough and thought through there isn't a moment there isn't like a finger that is put up that is not with per, without a purpose you know everything's been so thoroughly thought through so yeah it is fun to see how and that was the way with Lay Miz too you know like 25 years later here we're going to bring this show back and it's still it's like young people are getting excited about it it isn't you know
0: which is, you know, such a testament to the message of the show also. And I remember just recently, so many cool things I never caught with Phantom. Like, um, I never noticed that Madame Giri knows that backdrop's going to fall before she, and I was like, oh, I was like, she pulled Christine out of the way. And, you know, she went to go kneel here and she went, no, 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 come over here. And just, I mean, something like that, or um, I love the reversal and I'd never thought of it because, you know, sometimes your brain is just thinking more about the music and, um, how in act two, right before, what is it? The rehearsal for Don Juan, um, you know, mm-hmm. where the piano goes off. The fact that they're now coddling Christine with the, with the chair, you know, the exact same chair mm-hmm. that Carlotta was coddled in. It's like, that's, and it's interesting too. You know, there's just so many different things mm-hmm. that, that you catch. and um, Oh yeah, that I still catch too, after doing it for years. Know, what's something that you catch that you're like, oh, I hadn't thought of before?
1: Well, you were, I mean, that moment that you spoke about, in playing Reye in a Broadway company, I have to kind of be lined up next to Lefebvre and Lefebvre has a moment where he kind of hears something while Carlotta's starting to sing. And Giri catches that. There's kind of like this chain reaction to them already being aware of the Phantom's presence. And we're watching Carlotta, Carlotta sing that Think of Me before the drop falls, but there are blocked moments where you see those two characters already aware of their presence. And I think the audience feels it and you clearly caught it. And I hadn't, I had never noticed that exchange between them until like last year.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's just so, so many things. Yeah. Well, Phantom aside, I wanna talk about your your own creative talents. You're a writer, you, you've written this, it sounds incredible, Heathen Hill. Um, could you tell us a little bit about, uh, about Heathen Hill where you got the premise, I mean, where, and, uh, if there is not a more fitting time for this show from mm. our political climate. And, and can you talk about it a little bit?
1: Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, was, I have always kind of tossed around ideas and scribbled things and written little things here and there and tried all different kinds of things. And it wasn't until um, the last election year, four years ago. And I was in DC at the time. And I was doing the first uh, iteration of Secret Garden when we were at Shakespeare Theater Center. And while we were teching the show, I mean, I feel like I was in a shrub for our 10 out of 12s, blocking scenes. And the votes came in and we realized how the election was going to go. And it was really devastating for a lot of Americans. And I, I was really, really hit hard. And I was so sad and depressed and in tears. And I, I like it was it was tough. And I started to question like what I was doing. I was looking at this sh- this beautiful show that I was doing and I'm like, what am I doing? I'm not uh, like, yes, theater helps people clearly but I was thinking for myself, like, what am I doing? Um, and I really felt my cre- creative spirit just really suffer. And it wasn't until shortly thereafter, um, I, uh, I realized I needed to get kind of, um, fired up about my own voice, uh, about my own creative spirit. And that's when I really started writing. And the first thing I wrote was just out of fear and honesty. Um, You know, The kind of like cross section of being angry enough and frightened enough and fed up enough made me kind of really crack through to what is, I think the truth of what I am as a creative person. And the first thing that kind of came out was the story. And it just kind of flooded from me and the premise of the play is it kind of starts off with a handful of men different backgrounds races economic uh circumstances and it appears as if they're all at like an artist retreat upstate they all kind of like meet in a in a barn kind of space and they're talking about the things that they've created and it feels like they're kind of like living in the woods and um relating to one another and sharing their stories and as the play progresses you realize that they're interred Um, in kind of a post America um, concentration camp for homosexuals. And so then you start to see through a series of flashbacks, how they all converged into, how they all kind of met in this spot, how their stories collided and how they kind of survived, however they were able to survive through this difficult time, but through art. So it kind of was like, it essentially was the thing I needed to write to save myself through feeling artistically dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I wrote the thing and it was the first thing I actually just completed. You know, there were so many, um, things I had started and now, you know, I'm married and I have someone that I can tell him my ideas to. And for years I, he would see them manifest. He's, he's like, you thought you, you had talked about that and um, I was like I just never jumped on it and then when I was reading Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert and she has this whole beautiful story um, about how she met Ann Patchett and they had this amazing connection I don't know if you've ever heard the story if we talked about this before she has a whole story about how she met Ann Patchett and they became friends at that time Elizabeth Gilbert had the story about a divorcee who goes into the rainforest and she never finished it. She meets Ann Patchett. Uh, years later, they meet again. She asks Ann Patchett what she's been working on. She's like, well, it's a story about a divorcee who goes into the rainforest and, and she, that unfed spirit in Elizabeth Gilbert transferred to Ann Patchett for her to finish. And um, that story was so inspiring to me because I feel like I have seen so many untold stories in me realized and it spoke to me, and it's like just finished the thing. You know, there are all these creative stories that are that are looking for hosts. You know, she she speaks to the idea of genius, and it's not a person. It's this. It's a it's a spirit that comes through us, and you know, you see these people strike magic with these amazing ideas, and and so it was just motivation. It's what it was, and it's like just finish the thing. So. Um, that was the kickoff of just feeling confident enough to see projects through to their completion. And it gave me so much joy and fulfillment that my work side going to theater could be my work and my creative work would be what I do at home. And that has fed me for the past four years really. So yeah, that's kind of what that history is about. terrifying
0: seeing projects through, you know, like this this project oh, yeah. here, you know, starting starting this show, was something that, you know, I, you know, I'm married as well. And my spouse will say the same thing. He was like, you've talked about wanting to increase what you do as a medium, but you know, I, I was starting to feel kind of like the burnout working on shows as like, a, as a director. And I'm like, you know, I felt like I was hitting a wall a little bit and I loved yeah. both of them so much. And then when this pandemic hit, I was like, I've got to do something like I've I've got to utilize yeah this creative um, part of my brain with the fact that I still love giving back and the educator part of me. And then I was invited to be a guest on a podcast as a medium. And I don't think Hmm. until I was a guest on that podcast where I was like, oh, like I'm supposed to be doing this. And it's funny, you know, when, when I always talk about this with, with clients, like when you, with the fact that you are a writer, there is an X on your timeline, meaning no matter what, that's going to happen while we're here in the physical. That's something that you mapped out before you got here. And so, you know, I I feel very much like starting this up feels like I was supposed to do it. And it's funny, Mm -hmm. every time you try to back away from it, the universe will keep giving you signs of going, no, 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 keep going, keep going. Mm -hmm. And like within two days, I mean, it was like... um, Somebody had contacted me about wanting to do the podcast right after I was like, maybe this isn't a good idea. And then an office space pulled up. And then the table that I had always wanted to have as my office table, that was normally like two grand on West Elm, was marked down accidentally to 400 bucks. And I'm like, okay, if these aren't like weird signs from the I'm- universe, though, that I'm supposed to be going, you know? And yeah. Can and the final thought I, a question for you. How do you channel? Because it's it's interesting. Like for me as a medium, when I have different energies coming through, I feel like the joy of what I get to do. And, and maybe it's because I have a background in theater, I want to acknowledge and I want to honor their personalities. Like I don't want to just say, well, I've got grandma here. And if and if grandma's a fiery person, like I want to make sure that that shines through and I can honor that in the way I relay my messages. So there's times I'll say like, did grandma have like a really dirty mouth? And they'll say, oh yes. I'm like, oh great. Now I can say it this way. Like she wants me to. So when mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. wrote Heathen Hill, how did you, like, what do you do as a, as a creative to get inside the minds of so many nuanced, different people? And how do right. you make sure that, oh gosh, this could go on for a whole day, but how do you go, okay, nope, I'm going to go on to this character now. How would they volley back? Like, How do you do right. that?
1: It's interesting because I think all actors are, uh, we gravitate toward inhabiting these other stories and these other spirits. And when you're, you know, it, I've had a, a handful of moments where I can truly say that I've handed myself over and some other spirit kind of took over in the storytelling, I feel like I had lost myself. Um, And that's so hard to do. Um, And that's why the greats are the greats, you know? Um, And that's what's, and there's something so uh, satisfying about that experience. So actors are already kind of keyed into kind of channeling other people anyway, where there's something really fascinating in that for us. And I appreciate that background for my writing, Um, you know, because we're always, I mean, like from little kids, you're, you're, you're coming up with different voices and characters and this and that. The characters that I write are so alive for me inside my head. I mean, I always feel like I'm a better actor in my head because like I've always played around as a quiet kid in my head. And I have all these like fantasies and ideas and create all these people. Um, and so now, as an adult, as a writer, I'm allowed to kind of do that for work. And so, you know, there'll be kind of like the skeleton of of somebody I know, or or somebody I've met, and the way they talk and the way they think. And you know, like there are people now in my life that I use as references, or you know, like or people that have passed. My grandfather I use a lot, um, and I reference them or things they they would say or things I've heard in passing, and they do kind of come alive. I, and I kind of keep them all in here, you know? And um, it takes a long time to kind of f- knock out a, a draft and then revise it. And it can be something that you have with you for years. And that's why they have to be so alive in your head because they are really kind of like living and working with you for a long period of time. Um, and th- and now to me, they seem like real people that I used to know once, you know? Yeah. Um, So that's the fun thing. Like last fall, we had our first kind of big produced reading in New York, and it was fun to really capture some actors that got it. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I was like, you're like, you have been in my brain and you're manifested in front of me. And so that's very exciting. Um, So I think being an actor helps uh, leading into that writer life. But yeah, I mean, it's funny because like as far as what's going on in my head, it's like these people are, are real live people.
0: It's funny. I meant to tell you actually, and this came through earlier for you, I, I feel like clear as day, they said, it, during your creative process, do you hear like a different version of your voice that will edit things for you at times? It's oh, kind of, yeah. Because they talked about it earlier because your grandfather came through earlier and he was like, please make sure you bring it up. He says, sometimes if you get that, I, but it's weird. Like you hear your own voice almost like speak yes. it out loud and they go scrap that, put that there. And he had acknowledged that earlier. Yeah. yeah. Is this the one that I had talked about when I read you a couple of years ago, something about his teeth. Do you remember, was he miss, he remember he told me he was really excited to eat corn on the cob again.
1: Oh gosh, I can't, you know, it's so funny when you were like, remember. And I was like, I wish I had
0: held it on to phenomenal. the, I couldn't
1: remember. Um, I know my my first grandfather had all fake teeth, all dentures. Yeah, yeah. He it was like in a glass by his bed when he'd go to bed.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, that, that must scare have- the crap out of me. Yeah, because whenever I get like, it's funny they'll either pop them out of their mouth or like they'll look like see through to me, which means not not that's my symbol. Not real. Show me, or they'll show me gold, which just means either they had fillings or it's just again you never really know or if they show me corn on the cob it's weird but that's my symbol for i didn't have teeth and i missed it so oh, depending funny. on how they show it to me and um i just i have so much respect for for what you do and and just oh, um, thank you. and for your for your writing and i feel like i would be remember the golden girls episode where blanche tries to become a writer and like she no Oh, you gotta watch it. She's like, she has writer's block, but she hasn't started writing yet. And Dorothy's like, well, you can't <laughs> call it writer's block. And she starts quoting Shakespeare and she thinks it's her own. And she's like, uh uh-huh. you know, like what is it? Uh, to sleep, perchance to dream. And um, oh, it's hysterical. I'll I'll find the title <laughs> of it and, and send it to you. We, yeah, yeah, please do. It's great. And now it's time for some last minute questions. So a couple of questions for you before we go. Oh, sure. Um, okay, first one. Um, if now I don't believe it works this way. However, um, and I remember, I know I mentioned it to you. There are definitely spirits that will pop in to the majestic for sure, but it's weird. Like sometimes mm. I'm like, oh, family's here to, to cheer on so-and-so today. There are like hardcore fans on the other side that will come through to watch. And in particular, there's always one woman. She is, I would say she's like, even now I'm getting it, 54. Um, she mm-hmm. died of, um, I believe, ovarian cancer. And she's such a diehard of this show. She hangs out in the theater when there are new performers that go on. And she, um, I remember she told me that she had the album playing when she passed away. And she's so funny, like every time there's a new parry, and she's like, oh, it's great. I don't have to pay anymore to see it is what she says. And um, so that's one. But so while I don't believe they're stuck there, If you were stuck as a ghost in a theater and could only see one show, like you were stuck for all of eternity, what theater, what show would you pray that you were stuck in?
1: I would say, I mean, I would say the original Into the Woods Company. I could watch infinitely.
0: Joanna Gleason every night.
1: Yes, Joanna Gleason for the rest of time.
0: For the rest of time, yeah. That's a good Mm -hmm. one. A couple of our guests have been saying Gypsy. Gypsy's like the heavy hitter right now. They said oh yeah, good production, you know, of Gypsy. They they said yeah.
1: Well, wow. it was the first thing because I had seen that PBS broadcast as a kid, and that was the first time I was like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, I mean that one's burned up here too. Like I, I guarantee you, can you think of what Bernadette Peters is doing when she goes? Some of us don't like the way you've been telling it. Like I, literally, <laughs> she, she's looking at her nails. I remember she's yes, them out, I mean, and just like yeah. certain things will be branded up here. That's Oh a- yeah. I would never get tired of that show. And Jack's no. mom how iconic she is. Uh, yeah, iconic. That's Genius for-
1: delivery from an entire company. It's like come on. Whole thing.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um all right, so that's one. Um second one will I have um did you have a performer that you met um at the door that came backstage that ever left you starstruck?
1: that came to like Phantom or the shows that That's I've been that, in or? Yeah,
0: any show that you've been in that you're like, oh.
1: Oh, oh. oh I would say Sarah Bareilles. Cause she's so great. I mean, I think when you're that talented, I don't, she just seems like, it's like, oh, I, she's so incredible, but she's also such a humble, lovely person and she yeah. was backstage. And I remember just passing her. And I think I must've just like shown on my face that my jaw was to the floor and she was so lovely. And then I tweeted about it and she tweeted back and I was like, she doesn't have to do that. Like, you know, and then I saw her play at Madison Square Garden shortly thereafter. And it's like,
0: she's killing. I mean, like epic, epic. I remember when she was here in Buffalo, I met her and she was, again, I was like, she was, I was like, can I ask you a question? And you could tell that the security was trying to push everyone through and she stopped them. And I was like, do you, what kind of Digital keyboard is that, the really cool one that looks like a baby grand. And she was like, I don't know offhand, but if you give me your handle, like I'll reply to you. And like, it just like, she didn't have to do that. Oh, what character that you played would benefit most from a medium?
1: Oh, Chris in Saigon.
0: I forgot about him. (laughs) Oh, He needs help. Yeah, he does. He
1: needs to Uh, communicate. He needs to That's talk a to Kim. Good
0: one. What's your favorite coffee place in New York? This is literally for my own benefit, so I can go check it out when pandemic's lifted. My own self. Um
1: plans. you know, it's so funny because now it's just like, I would suggest you come to my kitchen because I'll make you great coffee.
0: Perfect. I'll be there. <laughs> Watch the Golden Girls episode where Blanche becomes a writer.
1: We'll get all caught up. Yeah.
0: Come snuggle with your dog. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I want to thank you so much for, for being uh, a guest today. You are, you're so special. You're so incredibly talented and um, thank you. everyone at home, I will put his, I will put his handle up on this video. So please go follow him, go check him out on YouTube, on, on any of his social media accounts um, and go discover all the incredible things that, that is Jason Forbach. So again, <laughs> I to thank you. Um, thank you. I will see you soon. Thank you so much for having me. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi, everyone. I want to thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed. If you want to learn more about Stage Door Medium, please feel free to give me a follow at Stage Door Medium on Instagram, stagedoormedium.com, and on YouTube, Stagedoor Medium as well. I hope you're well, and we'll see you soon.